The important thing is to keep that smile on your face, even if you're drowning. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. TGIF indeed. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour. Glad to be there and glad to be working once again with bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. Our producer, Senor Benny, how are you doing today? Hola, amigos. ¿Qué pasó? <laughs> and I'm not saying that in anticipation of the Houston Astros victory. Uh, Last night, a lot of people were going, come on. Come back, combine no-hitter. Fah, we can win this game. Not so much. Houston, they appear indomitable. <laughs> Sorry, Mariners out. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I've moved on. <laughs> I really, I don't care. I'm not watching. I'm done. I'm doing other stuff. So it's all good. You know, well, we've heard that from quite a few people who yep. said they don't care about either team. Uh, and I thought, well, isn't that interesting? I will, of course, root for more Philly just because I like Philly. Um, just right. they have a, a different of a history. Not a huge of Houston, obviously, with their recent past. And they crushed us. So, you know, there you go. Okay. <laughs> and moving on. <laughs> it was interesting to me, too, that in one night you had the World Series, the life and death struggle between the Houston Astros and the Philadelphia Phillies. Well, let's see what's going on with the Thursday night football. Oh, here we go. The Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles playing the Houston Texans. Right. Other cities matter in the sports world now. It's like they owned the network TV spots. Like they just crushed it. I'm telling you. So, uh, yeah, and a few guys crushed it, too, there yeah. for the Astros. So we'll see how that turns out. Not looking good for the Phillies, but that is the game of life. The Mariners, you just wait till next year. They'll come roaring back. Woo! Let's do it. Let's do this. Today, we have the pleasure and the privilege of a return visit. Suzanne, how many times has Nicole Strickland been on our program? Today is number 12, an even dozen. An even dozen. I mean, it's expected, right? Yeah, right? that's wonderful. Riotous applause instead of the usual golf clap. So this is good. <laughs> that means we really like her. <laughs> We've upped our listenership as well. So that's why we got a few more. Oh, there, there. You Yeah, go. there we go. <laughs> One of the leading paranormal researchers on the West Coast, and by so saying, I believe she is being modest. Nicole Strickland is the founder and director of the well-respected San Diego Paranormal Research Society. Since 2011, she has co-hosted the Spirits of the Adobe Tours at the iconic Rancho Buena Vista Adobe as well. That only scratches the surface, actually. Nicole Strickland has demonstrated through 11 previous visits and in her work internationally that she is an authoritative, determined researcher who wants the facts, always following where the evidence leads, no matter how controversial the tentative outcomes of her research. And when it comes to writing, being an author, oh my God. She's the go-to gal for the Queen Mary. Queen Mary would like to know more about Queen Mary by talking to Nicole, I tell you. And we'll, no doubt we will touch on that subject today. It is near and dear to her heart. That is for sure. Nicole currently resides in San Diego, California. She's been intrigued with the paranormal since childhood. And so we welcome back to Manson Mitchell for the 12th time, Nicole Strickland. How are you today, my dear? 
My goodness, guys, thank you so much for having me. 12, number 12. I can't believe this. This is awesome. I, I love you guys so much. I will say that on air. You're just amazing. So thank you so much for having me on. Happy to have you on. We've been on 15 years and you started with us, I believe the first time in 2013. So it's been like nine years. Yeah. Yeah. You're a a friend on air and you're one of those friends that we look forward to meeting in person someday. We we have a few. Oh, it's going to happen. Yeah. It was a small handful of people we've actually met in person, but so many people we've only met through radio and we're interested in getting to see them in person. And we will do that. It will happen. Absolutely. We will do it someday soon. Well, you come and visit us sometime too. You've got to have a Florida swing, Southwest Florida swing. And I tell you right now, Suzanne did a wonderful job, artistic, in preparing a guest room with just the right shade of yellow to prompt me to refer to it as the pastel paradise. There so you that's go. Where we, we want you to stay free of charge, mint on the pillow, your own bathroom, complete with shower. We have it all. Oh my gosh, I would love to come. That would be awesome. We'll do that someday. Have a good time in Florida. It's a good jumping off point, too, because when you look at your career, Nicole, your ongoing and flourishing career as not only a ghost researcher, but a researcher of place and time and historical context, which says so much about the quality of your research of the Queen Mary. Where do you see your place in It's a big question, but where do you see your place in the field of paranormal research and study and presentation right now? To me, you're a rising star and you have yet to crest. Oh my gosh, I'm blushing here. Thank you so much. That means coming from you guys, that that means the world to me. I'm just following my heart and following my passion and, and, and letting that lead me. Of course, I think when you have a passion for something, you know, you're, you're more dedicated to it, more devoted to it. And I think I mentioned this on the last time I'm, you know, even though I've been involved in paranormal research, I'm not shifting away from that, but I'm adding more afterlife research um, as well into the equation. So I see myself uh, studying both realms, keeping up to date with, you know, the trends, uh, things of that nature, love presenting. Uh, so doing more presentations now and, and in the future and just uh, following my heart, and letting it, I guess, lead me to wherever it's supposed to lead me. And it, it's one of those things that I never planned this ever. I know I wasn't a little kid and, you know, sitting in, in class saying, you know, when I get older, I'm going to be a paranormal researcher. I never even envisioned that it just unfolded. And so I'm just putting trust in that. And that, and so far that's worked for me. So. That uh, Suzanne, did you want to jump in? Um, yes. But you, if you have another question, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, uh, women and paranormal research, that's a weighty topic. It actually, it, actually, that was going to be my question is you have been doing this for how long and when you first started out, were you one of few women or did you find right from the get-go that it was an equal opportunity job? Uh, you know, that's an interesting question. I, I probably wasn't as aware then as I am now. I mean, when I first started actually, I mean, I've been interested in this since childhood, but when I first actually started in the field actively, there were, of course, 
men and women as there are now. But I think it's it's one of those fields where percentage wise, I don't know exactly what it is, but you are seeing more women, I guess, getting involved in the field nowadays. Uh, but even going back to like spiritualism and back into like the 1800s, you know, with the psychic mediums, there were women and men as well. So in, in a way that parallels, but um, I, I would say that I'm seeing probably more women than than I observed when I first started. But then again, when I first started, I probably wasn't as aware of it as, as much then as I am now, but it, but it is a very important topic to discuss. And I guess one of the things that Gary and I were just discussing in preparation for today's show is we were kind of wondering out loud, wondering to ourselves if women were as credible right from the beginning, when you when there were first uh, conferences to go to and speakers, you know, what maybe, maybe this has always been a field which has been open equally and we're just not aware of it. Or maybe decades ago, it was only the men who were doing the talks and the women were in the audience taking the notes. And so we are asking only because we truly don't know if this has been always open equally, or if it seems to have evolved over time, the way our culture has evolved over time. I think, yeah, there's a parallel. I was just going to say that there is a parallel, I think, to, you know, how culture evolves, but with the paranormal and, and even metaphysical fields as well, I think it's always been open to both men and women. But what's interesting in this field, uh, especially with women, is I think that, uh, you know, men and women are different sometimes with, you know, the brain chemistries and the way they think. So there's, you know, the, the common trend of women being maybe more open to their intuition or more open to the metaphysical disciplines, whereas maybe men are more into the more, ab not abstract, but the black and white scientific sort of disciplines of the paranormal. So that's kind of a common theme. But I think in, it's always been open to both. But I think with any field, you know, it, as culture evolves, you know, that's going to affect, you know, the, the field as well. So, but I am seeing more, more women uh, presenting, women writing books, you know, more into the, even like the, 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 the science aspect of, of the um, investigating as well. So. I've yeah. never been a big fan of horror movies. I like your old rom-coms. Give me a romantic <laughs> comedy and I'm happy. But, uh, you know, I had a, a girlfriend who loved horror films. And I always thought there was something strange about that. And I always thought that horror films were more for boys. They're for boys. They're not for girls. And as I have become an adult, I have found that that is completely wrong that there are men who don't care for horror films and men who like them. There are women who don't care for horror films and women who like them. And so it, it seems to me that in that whole genre of, of ghosts and spooky stuff, that it really could be much more on an equal footing. And, and as you said, culturally, maybe women get more respect. Now I know one of the most respected people in the field uh, now deceased was Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Absolutely. And she wrote so much about it and did so much research about it. And so, um, you know, 
was she, um, you know, at, at the vanguard, at the head of, of women doing that? Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe it's always been a fairly uh, equal footing, just like just like the horror films. Both men and women like them and hate them. I just don't I, happen to care for them. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I absolutely would agree with that. And, and I know many people in the field. And from what I'm seeing, there's respect on both levels. You know, my male colleagues respect their female colleagues and vice versa from, you know, people that I know. And I, like I said, I know many people in the field. Rosemary uh, obviously was a, you know, was and is still a mentor uh, to me, uh, just an incredible uh, all around individual. But touching on the horror films, since you brought that up, this and we just had Halloween. So I thought I would insert this. It's kind of off topic. (laughs) But you know, it's I see that sometimes and this is more I think, uh, to the lay person that may not understand exactly what paranormal investigation or research entails so there's this uh almost mixture of let's let's place ghosts let's place spirits and bring horror into that and you have to remember that the horror genre is absolutely separate completely separate from anything having to do with paranormal ghosts and spirits we're talking uh, earthbounds or spirits of once human um, living individuals or even other beings as well it's two completely separate genres so one thorn in my side is is this thought that oh let's mix them together and so it's interesting and of course you know with the veil being thinner around halloween there's that theory of course and people can be more open to psychic awareness or intuition or or uh, you know ghostly types of encounters around that time but there's that subliminal in a way and even overt influence from Halloween and all the horror movies every single year I get a preponderance of people contacting me around September around October saying that oh they have something nasty in their home you know this and that and it's always around that time of year and again the veil can be thinner but I do think that there's a connection with all of this spooky influence from horror movies and things like that so two separate complete genres here that I just wanted to to touch on. I can't I even blend the two. Yeah, I don't think anybody's ever said that before. And I think that's a really good distinction that you make. Um, and and I equate uh, horror movies kind of like roller coasters. Some people love to get on roller coasters and be scared. And other people say, no, I'll just sit here on the bench till you're done and, and don't like roller coasters. I think there is something in human beings, in and and I don't know if it's in everybody to a degree or just in some people, but they look for things to scare them. They look for that emotion. Yes. They look, they look for that experience. I want to have the experience of being really scared, whether it's by a ghost or whether it's a roller coaster, whatever it is, there's some, it fulfills some, some need. And, and again, you know, not my thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's my dad loves, you know, romantic, you know, rom-coms. And, and I, I'm, I liked some, some horror movies just because I know it's fictional. I think if there is, and you touched on this, if there is a similarity between both fields, it is that emotion effect. So some people may have an encounter with a ghost and be scared just as they would be scared, maybe sitting in the movie theater 
watching a movie, but the fictional plots that you often see in horror films with these evil beings and this and that trying to attack, you know, humanity, that doesn't translate to real life, you know, paranormal phenomena. And that's the distinction I was actually trying to make. So let me insert this question. When you go to various paranormal conferences, and I realize over the last few years, it's been tough to go to a lot of them in person because of the lockdown, the pandemic. When you communicate with your fellow researchers, is there a buzz about one, two, maybe three trends in the field that become the subject of controversy, the kind of conversation like, can you believe what they're doing over there in Nebraska or back in New York? They're saying this here in California, we look at it another way in the same way that I have found over many years that the UFO community can be a raucous affair with people jostling each other for attention and the primacy of their own theories. Do you get that with ghost research? I think that, yeah, I, I, I do. I, 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 again, it depends because, you know, the West Coast is a little bit different than the East Coast. I, I always think that the East Coast is a little bit more reserved and the West Coast is more open. At least it was in the past. Um, main controversies, gosh, that's a good one that I'm, I, I know there are. And I'm trying to think of like some major ones that that are um, uh, coming to mind. Uh, I mean, one one that comes to mind is um, there's always this one that I see is, okay, someone may, let's say, go on an investigation and they have, uh, let's say they capture a great EVP, for example, and they are convinced beyond a reasonable doubt, okay, that this is definitely an EVP. There was no, uh, you know, human interaction. This is definitely ghostly. And then let's say someone else listens to it, or maybe another person on the team uh, listens to it and is able to, to determine that, no, you know what, actually, that's not that was definitely some sort of, you know, extraneous sound. And they were absolutely able to prove that there's still that ego pull, like, well, nope, nope, this is definitely an EVP. Well, no, it's not. So that's kind of a controversy that I'm seeing. So it's, you know, this constructive criticism between uh, team members or even outside of, of the team, if people, if they are convinced that they want, that they have something paranormal, they don't want to hear that it's not. So that's in terms of like evidence review, that's that's definitely um, one that I'm seeing. Uh, uh, Bigfoot is another one. I, I mean, I don't really go out and research Bigfoot, but I've read about him. There's different controversies there, different beliefs on what it is, what it's not. So and, you know, in the crypto field. So but I'm sure like when I get off, get off air, I'll, something will dawn on me and I'll be like, gosh, I should have said that. But um, those are two welcome, that just come to mind. Welcome to the human race, right? We right. I mean, I know it's going to oh, happen. I right like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I should have thought of that, right? <laughs> well, oh, and that's another question I wanted to ask, though, just to follow up there. And that is, what about the cryptids? What about cryptozoology? Is there some field of paranormal studies and research that does or don't particularly appeal to you individually? Like, eh, that's not for me. Oh, yeah. So I I did think of I'll answer that. But I did think of another not and I don't know necessarily if it's a controversy, the whole uh, bringing in 
psychic mediums. No, we should not use psychic mediums. This is true. We need to strictly adhere to scientific sorts of discipline. So there's a little bit of a controversy on that, depending on people's preferences. That's another one that I just thought of. Uh, let's see a field, you know, there's all these different subfields, you know, you have the general paranormal umbrella and you have the ghosts and hauntings, you have cryptozoology, you have the study of the occult, psi phenomena. In, in many ways, there are overlaps. And I think that in, in some ways, it's all one big matrix, but one that I just do not want really any part of just because I have different beliefs. And that's fine, is the whole concept of demonology. Um, and so that's oh. one that I kind of like to steer away. Not, and, you know, when I say steer away, just not really involve myself with it. I'll read up on it, but I have a whole different thought on what, and again, I may be wrong. So this is no disrespect to those that are demonologists and do study at all, you know, my respect to them, but just that, that sort of subset is not something that I tend to cater to for my own various reasons. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, in particular, because I know that uh, Rosemary did do research into demonology. Mm-hmm. And, and I question, um, you know, uh, like attracting with your thoughts, attracting things that um, are going to that, that will help in your research, whether it's angels or demons. Um, and, and to be interested in that, I think, is to attract it. And Absolutely. so I, I have been concerned about that. Interestingly enough, we had um, uh, go, another ghost author on last week, Leslie Rule. Oh, yes, I'm familiar with her. Mm-hmm. And, and she was saying in her belief system that ghosts are only friendly. They're, they're like only Casper. They, they're friendly <laughs> ghosts. And she said that she doesn't consider them evil that um that yes there may be poltergeists there may be kind of uh, uh evil entities but she says when you're just talking uh spirits people who, who uh whose bodies they left but you know the spirit has been left behind unless i am misquoting her it it seems as though she doesn't believe that any of that is evil when someone has passed on and their spirit has been left here. And I thought that was kind of a a curious thing. I wanted to know what you thought about that. Absolutely. And I know we are probably five minutes out of the break and we can always touch on this after because it, you know, this is a good discussion. I agree with her because first of all, we need to look more as to what the living is contributing. How is the living realm? We as human beings, how are we contributing to paranormal phenomena? And we need to look more at that. There is something called tulpas and thought projections. And I think that is 99.9% of all alleged demonic or malevolent anything is actually people's thoughts and, you know, maybe fears about the unknown and they're, they're putting out, they're assigning a, uh, um, a situation to a ghost. Let's say they, they have their hair pulled and they get freaked out. And they say, oh, no, that, that, okay, my hair is pulled. That means the ghost is evil and, and wanted to attack me. That's them assigning that. It may not be the intent of the entity to want to harm at all. So in, in, in what Leslie's saying, I agree with her. And there's a difference between malevolent and negative. You may have someone in life that maybe was a rapist or a murderer, just a nasty person in life that may carry on those traits and death. That does not mean that that person's a demon. 
that's just what we would call like a lower level entity. Still, you know, a demon is something that's the whole not my my wire, non-human entity, not human at all. So I, you know, you need to pay attention to the the characteristics and how you describe things and, and, and how the living is contributing. I do not believe, I believe that 99.9% of all alleged malevolent anything is caused by the living, whether it's tulpas, uh, uh, thought projection, projections that take on their own life form, whether it's religious influence, whether it's familial influence. So, uh, and, and, and maybe in, in, in a very rare rare cases, there might be some sort of psychokinetic poltergeist type of activity that is inherently negative in nature. But for the most part, I would agree with Leslie. I do not think that earthbound ghosts and spirits, those dwelling in the afterlife at all are evil or want to harm the living. I think it's the opposite. I think that the afterlife and those within it can actually help and, and offer a lot for the living realm. And I think that's what the afterlife is trying to tell us. So that that's my thought. You know, people can right. disagree. That's fine, but that's just my thought on it. So I I would agree with Leslie on that. Absolutely. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one more confirmation on what you just said uh, regarding thought projections. We used to watch uh, a well more than one show that was uh, about people who felt like their houses were being uh, overrun with negativity mm-hmm. and. And interestingly, remember, and one of them was like Psychic Kids, where where we watched that, Gary. But it seemed like there was this idea that um, uh, teenage girls, teenagers, teenage girls were so highly emotional or highly strung that their thoughts were projecting negative things to occur in a house and i thought that that was absolutely a fascinating idea absolutely it it wasn't necessarily an outside entity that was moving into a house but the thoughts and and what was going on in the house was creating what we would consider to be paranormal because those thoughts themselves were so powerful and 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 I thought that was very very curious. That there, yeah, that's the theory, you know, a psychokinesis, and that was coined, I think, 1914 by Henry yes. Holt. Yeah, um, I think it's book on the cosmic relations, excellent book. And so that's the whole thought that prepubescent teens, even males, and not just females, okay. something about those heightened emotions can create these psychokinetic sorts of vibrations that can right. cause PK types of activity. And that's right. again that we need to look at that. So that does involve thought projections and and right. and um, energy in general. So well. A plate can be broken, a cup can go flying across a room, a glass can break. And interestingly enough, if you want to look at that from the opposite side, we we talked to a, a, a woman some time ago who, uh, as part of her expansion of her own capabilities, learned how to bend spoons. Yes, Now, she wasn't doing it to, you know, create a problem with not being able to hold the spoon properly, but to show that your thoughts can have an effect on physical objects. Absolutely. And so that's kind of like the positive side of it. You can, you can break a glass, you can bend a spoon, maybe it's all the 
same, but the idea that your thoughts are actually that powerful is really something. It, isn't it though? The whole yeah. concept of tulpas, thought projections is something that I'm very, very interested in and how it influences and affects various types of paranormal phenomena. There's a new wrinkle for us. How do you even spell that term? Is it tulpa, tulpa? Yeah, well, tulpa, T-U-L-P-A, tulpa. It's, it's uh, Henry, no, not Henry. It's um, James Hilton's novel. I think it's Lost Horizon. So the whole fictional paradise, for example, Paradise of Shangri-La, that's an example of like a tulpify type of location. So it's, you know, when when someone is thinking about something or concentrating about it on a thought, so often and so much that thought can take on its own life form. So I really think there's correlations with, you know, between tulpas and various types of paranormal phenomena, especially in the whole uh, demon malevolent sort of realm of situations. We need to look at that. And of course, how the living is, is uh, either projecting, like you said, or, or influencing, you know, the whole, this whole concept. Fascinating. It is fascinating, and it reminds me of part of the premise, the central premise of Forbidden Planet, because all those horrifying effects were generated from the mentality of a genius on another planet who sought to create a better world. And instead, he he created a monster, which brings to mind Frankenstein, and that brings to mind Spanguli, and now I'm completely off track. (laughs) No, you're not. (laughs) No, you're not. I get off track all the time on your show. Oh, my gosh. I'm queen of that. (laughs) And and here's uh, Suzanne here from Chicago and nearby Berwyn. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) We're we're telling humanity what we do with our Saturday nights. Here we go. Hey, it's all good. We are talking to Nicole Strickland, and that always means good things. Spooky, yes, but in a good way. Give us a couple of minutes. We'll be back with more topics to consider. We're going sort of metaphysical Q&A, and that's a good place to be anytime we meet up with someone as respected, as renowned as Nicole Strickland. We are Manson Mitchell. Give us a couple of minutes, and we will be right back. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is manceandmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine, 
with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Nicole Strickland, popular paranormal researcher and author, addressing the question, is there a glass ceiling for women in the fields of ghost research and parapsychology? On Saturday, Jim Meskimen returns with Hollywood stories of the famous people he has portrayed and whose voices he has impersonated so perfectly that you'd swear they were in the room. Bringing you fascinating talk since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. An alternative to everything else on your radio dial. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Nicole Strickland. Nicole, if people would like to get one of your books, please tell our listeners what your books are about and where they can find you if they would like to connect. Sure. So I'm on social media. My main website is authornicolestrickland.com. You can find my books there. They're on, you know, amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, pretty much the online retailers. I have three Queen Mary books, Haunted Queen of the Seas, um, RMS Queen Mary, uh, Voices from Her Voyages, and then Spirited Queen Mary, Her Haunted Legends. So two of those are paranormal, historical, and then the Voices from Her Voyages is more historical, where I've interviewed former crew, passengers, war brides, veterans about their sailing memories. And so those books are sold on board the Queen Mary as well. And then, of course, online Let's see, San Diego's Most Haunted, uh, Spirits of Rancho Buena Vista, Adobe. Some are in local stores in Southern California, but of course you can get those online. I have an ebook that I wrote shortly after my cat's uh, Kaylee's passing. That's Max and Kaylee, Two Remarkable Felines, Forever Imprinted on My Heart. That's an ebook that you can get on Amazon. Coming out with the Afterlife Chronicles book, Exploring the Connection Between Life, Death, and Beyond. And I'm traditionally published, but with this one, I'm going self-published route. I'm moving into that. So that'll be out probably... I would say end of January. And then uh, let's see another book that I'm doing with Marie Jones and Denise Agnew, uh, Women on the Fringe, Groundbreaking Women in the Paranormal. That is coming out 2024 by Black Spot Books. So we're currently working on that now, which is, that's a fun project. That's been a really fun project interviewing women, you know, from various walks of life in the paranormal. So, and then just Facebook, um, I'm all over Facebook, Instagram, author Nicole Strickland, Twitter, SDPRS Nicole, and then you can find me on on um, Facebook as well. My show, Afterlife Chronicles, Facebook, Afterlife Chronicles, and beyond. So there you have it. <laughs> That's a lot. Good. And so yeah, I'm I sure to people can find you. Yes, I noticed you do that rather quickly. Yeah. And I people can, um, I'm sure, find you given all of the things that you're into, which is a lot of very interesting work. Thank you. Nicole, let me ask you about the skeptics. And mm. to choose a particular topic, I'm curious about how much of this you encounter on the front lines of research into things like, yes, ghosts, but I'm thinking at the moment of EVPs. And let us be clear, we're talking about electronic voice phenomena. Right. Things you can't, you find them on recordings when you didn't hear it, at least from what I understand, almost mm -hmm. all the time, they will not be heard by the naked ear, so to speak there but on playback a recording device picks up mysterious sounds that are in many many cases intelligible yes so that's what an evp is for those who are uninitiated here's what i want to know from you nicole 
Do you have skeptics, whether it be someone just in communication with you or perhaps someone who objects to the line of inquiry at a paranormal conference? Because you do get your gadflies, you know, your skeptics will show up to shoot things down. Do you run into those who will say to you, well, of course, you must realize that these so-called EVPs are, are simply a manifestation of the phenomenon by which we read or hear things that aren't really there. We attach a meaning to them, and then we present that as though they were objectively real, but of course they're not. Yeah, that 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 that's a good point to bring up. I just want to make a comment. So being there's a difference between like a cynic and a skeptic and sometimes i use the words interchangeably myself but as researchers we need to be skeptical we need to have that healthy dose of skepticism and go in with an open mind and not assume everything is paranormal right we need to try to not necessarily debunk but go in and see if there's any natural or logical uh, situations that could explain what's going on a cynic is someone that on the other hand you could see a full-bodied apparition and then just still try to you know, discredit it in, in whatever way. So with EVPs, though, I mean, it's a good point that you brought that up. We do have to try to think about, is there a possibility that going back to psychokinesis, for example, could maybe a, a living person on an investigation, maybe ask a question and a desire so much, I hope I get an answer, I hope I get an answer, I hope I get an answer of this, and then does get an answer of what he or she was hoping for. Is that really the answer from the spirit? Or could that be some sort of psychokinetic uh, answer that was created by the investigator? So that's something that maybe we need to potentially look at. I think in, in the majority of cases, though, probably not. So if you're going in and investigating and you're asking historically relevant questions and you're getting intelligent responses that correlate to that question being asked chances are that it is probably from a, a, you know an earthbound or a spirit especially if you know the the voice is different especially if you can uh, verify uh different vocalizations for example us at the rancho buena vista adobe that's a perfect example we go in month after month well we haven't been in for two years because of the pandemic but since 2011 we're going in the property month after month we are now recognizing different male and female voices that come through that we know are not ours. So in situations like that, you can almost, you know, not prove, but you can verify in most cases that it's not, you know, something that's actually coming from the living, but you just have to be careful. I mean, there's, you know, people that are going to just, no matter what you present, there's always going to be maybe someone that's just not going to believe you. And that's fine. That's, it's not my job to, to try to persuade someone. It's not my job to try to tell someone or prove to someone that ghosts exist. You know, I'm just presenting the evidence and presenting my experiences and it's up to them to decide, you know, what they want to do with it. So. I love that distinction because it puts me in mind of something, a thought that I've never had before, but I will speak it now. Research, no matter what the subject, research is not evangelism. Oh yeah. I like <laughs> That's a good, that is a, I like that. I just got goosebumps. Uh, it just seems to me that if you're doing research. I just got major, I don't know why. I just got major goosebumps when you said, when you said that. Do you have the air conditioning set pretty low? With, but anyway. No, no. <laughs> see, we, see, no, that's research. We have eliminated one possible explanation for her goosebumps. <laughs> there you go. And, see, you got I, it. I, I think in terms of people who, 
they do the research in order to push a point of view, which is not not pristine research. And that's where the skeptics come in and say your whole model of experimentation here is phony. It's corrupted. Right. Yeah. I mean, being too limited is is almost counterproductive. And in, 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 in this field, as well as others, having an open mind for the various possibilities, you may you know, you always have to keep the doors open. You may have a prevailing theory and think, okay, you know what? I really think that that was caused by this, but you may down the line find something completely different that may open your mind up. And so when your mind is closed off, that can really, really uh, hinder you in, in this specific field, of course, as well as others. So having that open mind is um, very, very important. For sure. And, and that applies at both ends of the spectrum, whether right. you are a cynic or whether you are uh, such a believer that you can't see the possibility that it's it's just uh, air in the pipes or something else. There's a, exactly. a, a physical explanation. So it is good to be more centered in doing the research and, and not be uh, either too too positive or too negative about it. Absolutely. Being neutral. I think that's, that's a good point to make very yeah. healthy to go in with that sort of mindset. Are you able to do that with the queen Mary after all the times you've been on there? I mean, you are, you are the authority on the ghost activity for the queen Mary. So I'm wondering if you just really expect that to be there. Oh, I, you know, I thank you so much. That means so much. I think, I think the ultimate expert in the ship is the ship itself. And so I, I'm of the belief that the Queen Mary is a very sentient ship, very sentient being with thoughts and emotions. Uh, you can feel her energy. You can feel her, her, her thoughts. And I know some people may be listening and say, my goodness, what is this girl smoking? But again, it's not just me that feels this way. There's a, there are many people, former crew and even former passengers that have felt that way as well with the Queen Mary. It's different because I am so familiar with the ship and I've been going on board for, gosh, almost 20 years now that, you know, I'm familiar with the history and I'm familiar with her with her spiritual energies. But I still go in with that open mind because there may be something yet I don't know that I will discover about the Queen Mary, uh, one that I've discovered for me personally in the last few years that I did not have at first is realizing that there's, in my opinion, based on my research and what I've experienced, there seems to be this duality between the ship itself being sentient and almost being one gigantic spirit herself, almost acting as the mother protector of the resident human energies that are within her so there's this duality between the two and i think that could be i'm not saying it is because i don't have proof of it but that could be one of the reasons why her activity is so consistent and so profound unlike other locations that i've that i've investigated so but um it's i'm always open-minded when it comes to places and even with the Queen Mary, I go in and there could be something that I don't know that maybe I will find out someday, or maybe I'll know more when I'm, you know, uh, in the afterlife, for example. So, but it's well, just, yeah. So that, really, that brings up another question. If you've been going on the Queen Mary for all these years, couple of decades, in recent times, maybe pre-COVID, I, I don't know, but in, re in more recent times, 
have you discovered a new human energy there that you didn't know about in years past? Is there ever like a new introduction? You know about, you know, the the man in the boiler room and you know about the the activity around the pool. There's certain things that that you have uh, researched very well. Do you ever say, oh my gosh, there's something new there. That's a new voice or that's a new person or that's a new something it is is more revealed that's what i'm wondering do you get that's, more more revealed to you over time that's a good question and i would say yes so in many cases you know you'll get the the typical energies that come through and some of them i'm able to recognize uh others not but i i there's always a possibility for energies to come through that maybe i haven't that have maybe been there but maybe i haven't captured on recording and then in this situation maybe i'll end up capturing but i think the queen mary is almost like a beacon you know you have those different uh, rest stops that you go to when you go to a different state there's like welcome centers i feel in many ways the queen mary is almost a spiritual welcome center so i think she's always attracting spiritual energies and some may come through choose to stay or pass on so there's always a possibility and that's happened to me when I've gone on on investigations there I may get an EVP or a disembodied voice or an audible voice phenomenon and maybe I didn't recognize the voice but that I don't that doesn't mean that this individual hasn't been on the ship maybe I just haven't come and crossed with that that individual but I do know a few people that like me uh, either worked on the ship or uh, had an affinity for it. And two people I know, um, they're both males. One, is, his name is Jerry and the other one is Dylan. And they sadly are passed on. They have come through for me when I've been on board, which is, um, it's very heartwarming to to experience that. Jerry and I have investigated the ship many times and uh Shortly after his passing, I was on board and he he did come through for me. And then Dylan was a crew member that had just uh, uh, got a job maybe about maybe six months to a year before he passed. And what's interesting about that is he read my, one of my books and he he told me, Nicole, your, your book inspired me to get a job on board. And so hearing of his passing was very, very sad. And he has come through. So I just think that it's just, it's a, she's a beacon of some sort and just like a magnet and just draws these energies in whether they have a connection or not. So, well, you just put me in mind of a question I've never asked you or anybody else Mm. regarding this. If, if the ship itself is some kind of a beacon, are all the, the ghosts, paranormal activity on the ship originating from people who were on the ship or could you be a ghost in the area and say oh that looks interesting I think I'll go on board that ship and take a look around do you ever get ghostly activity that's not that's not that didn't know that place when they were alive it's, I'm trying to think of an example that actually, it's hard to know because with evidence, uh, you know, when you ask questions and let's say they're related to the historical or, or right. you know, some sort of tapestry of the ship and you're getting responses from those spirits that, that uh, 
suggests that they're familiar with the ship, then yes. you can kind of make yeah. that, I guess, connection like, oh, they were on board. They know it. Right. Um, right. I think in some cases there may be, like I said, uh, situations where you may get, whether it's a personal experience or or maybe a, a, an apparitional sighting or an anomalous photo or an EVP, for example, that you may not know. You can't tell by that type of data whether or not that entity has a connection with the ship or whether it's just just transient types of paranormal activity. So it's sometimes hard to know. And, and Transient paranormal activity. That would mean somebody who maybe was born and lived and died on the East Coast uh, doesn't make a transition into the spirit world, but they're here and they're saying, you know what? I've never been to the West Coast. I think I'd like to go check that out. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, could, uh, do, you know, do spirits travel like that? I think I'll do a little vacationing, you know, before I I head over to the, to over to heaven, over to the other side. I want to see what's going on in the West Coast. I've never been to California. I mean, I think that would be really interesting to know if there's any spirits there that never, never were on the ship or saw the ship when they were alive. And then after they pass, they want to see it. Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting question. I I do believe that energies can travel. I don't think they're necessarily stuck in one place. That's just my belief. And I know some people just, you know, people differ on that. And that's fine. But uh, that is going to be maybe a subject next time I'm on board, I can maybe do some inquiries and see and see if I can get any answers back that would suggest that maybe they don't have a connection with the 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 ship, but maybe in the spirit world realized, okay, well, there's the ship called the queen Mary. She's somehow a beacon. Let me go check her out. Yeah. That's interesting. Next time I'm yeah. on board, let me see what I could do. Okay. And not just one okay. time I could make it like a, you know, cause sometimes you may not get an answer right away. I could just right. the next right. several times I'm on board. Maybe, let me see what I can do. And because I think that that's obviously a very high possibility. Well, when, when people remain earthbound, oftentimes, um, we've heard that it's as a result of trauma, a very right. sudden passing where, right. oh my gosh, they don't, may not even know that they're not alive anymore in this, in this realm. So all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're deceased and they're there um, quite suddenly. Well, uh, that just gives me kind of some pause for thought. If everybody who's on that ship was somebody who died connected with the ship, or is there anybody there who's not really connected? I, I just, it, I never asked anybody that question before. I don't know why I thought of it today. But. No, that's excellent. That's, and you need, that's one of the reasons why I, I, I like your show spirits. so much because you guys, <laughs> you guys ask these thought provoking questions that go outside of the box. And we need to think like that as paranormal researchers, we need that. So that's one of the reasons why I respect you guys so much because you do, you do make me think on this show. And so, and again, I'm not an expert. I, you know, I, when someone says I'm a paranormal expert, I kindly correct them. I'm like, nope, I'm not an expert, but I'm a specialist. I, I actually, how I answer that is I'm a student of the paranormal. I'm always learning, not just from, from the energies, but I'm learning from my colleagues and just learning from, from life experiences. So, well, you know, they call MDs practicing physicians. They think they're <laughs> still practicing and they're practicing on me. Uh, yeah right oh my gosh uh, i have a i have a question that just it seems whimsical but i'll go ahead and ask and i'll tell you why i'm asking 
have you seen the show Ghosts on CBS? You know, I've I've seen snippets of episodes, but I haven't actually watched an entire episode. Can you believe that? I've I've heard it's cute. I've heard it's really it you is. Know, whimsical, yeah. like you said, and and yep. Yep. so I'll have to check that Ghosts out. Are friendly. Yeah. Ghosts are friendly. Yeah. I like that. I like that. That's kind of a positive, yeah. you know, outlook on them. So and Suzanne, you and I enjoy ghosts. Yeah. There it's it's fun, lighthearted entertainment, quite witty, actually. I love that. But, the concept, though, and I think I'm teasing a future broadcast right here and now, and Nicole Strickland <laughs> will certainly be intimately involved as it progresses there. But the idea in my mind, when I look at a show like Ghosts, is collective energies. Yes. A collection yeah. Yeah. of ghosts, of spirits. Right. And with that, what happens between what is the interaction there oh, and, yes. and why attached to a particular yes. place? It's an easy guess with the Queen Mary, but haunted locations may have collective energies yes. that hang around. And I wonder how they interact. If with that's each true. Other. The, the Queen Mary ghosts, do they know each other? That's do a good ghosts point. I know each other. Yes. <laughs> I believe they do. I have an example of that. So the little girl, Jackie, and I have a different thought on her. I know we don't have much time. I think that she's very highly evolved. I almost feel like she's almost the personification of the ship itself, just with the femininity and the innocence and all of that. Uh, but she appears as like about a six or seven year old girl, dead ringer, no pun intended for Shirley at Temple. She's just an adorable, adorable um, energy there. I have not just with personal experience, so hearing vocalizations, but capturing uh, disembodied voices or EVPs for well, two different things, EVPs and disembodied voices or audible voice phenomena, what we call those AVPs. I have captured um, voices that have said or asked, where's Jackie? And I've heard, oh. I've heard um, just, you know, cause I tend to be intuitive mm-hmm. and clairaudient and all of that. I have heard before. Jackie's here. So there seems to there seems to be a camaraderie there between the energies. Oh, and so that's, that's something to definitely look into, though, because that yeah. to even more even at other places to see how they interact. And if it's something similar to how we as the living interact, I would say there's probably a, a parallel there in s- something similar, but maybe it's just more advanced. Maybe they're more advanced tel- tel- telepathically than we are because you know the soul you know yeah. it evolves and all of that that's a whole different discussion but yeah that excellent question see you guys make me think on this show all right well we've done our us, job for the day we have yes. and you keep giving us new ideas good yeah. i love it the the, uh, the happy haunts where ghosts hang out we're going to do that show sometime <laughs> and you will be a star attraction nicole thank oh you so God. much for joining us again the baker's dozen next time right we'll right. absolutely love speaking with you continued success you're really making your mark in the world of paranormal research so congratulations oh, thank you so much guys that means so much to me have a wonderful um weekend and it thank was a you. pleasure thank you And make sure you stay tuned for American Road Trip Talk at 1 o'clock today. We'll be talking to our buddy Mark Green from Cars Yeah, remembering the leading lights of car culture who passed in 2022. Until we meet again, which is tomorrow 10 a.m. right here on AM 1150 and 1150kknw.com. Out we go. Have a great weekend.